From Radio Milwaukee and the Wisconsin LGBTQ History Project, this is Be Seen. I'm Nate Imig, and on this episode... It's a long-running Wisconsin tradition, coming up on 20 years, the Milwaukee Pride Parade. The current iteration began in 2005, but its origins go back much earlier. In fact, the first Pride Parade wasn't a parade at all, but a radical protest in 1971. And surely it sounded much different than this. To understand the tradition, how it's grown and thrived, and most importantly, why it's still needed today, let's start in the present day and hear from the younger generation. This generation, Gen Z, has truly seen it all. They grew up online. They've witnessed unprecedented violence at school. They've weathered a global pandemic. And of course, they still face homophobia and transphobia today. Radio Milwaukee was in the Pride Parade for the first time this year and heard from many young folks in attendance. Here's Alexis and Hannah. I've never seen so many varieties of humans. It's actually pretty cool. It's amazing to see everybody. It's way bigger than I expected it would be. Right. Why do you think it's important that there's still Pride and there's still like this visibility in in 2023? Well, with everything going on in the world, Love and acceptance and being who you are is the most important thing. And this is that show up of we're here and we're queer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So how did you two meet? Uh, Bumble. <laughs> I mean, that's that's most people meeting, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. So what was it about the Bumble profile? Who reached out to who? I think I messaged her first. <laughs> yeah. What caught your eye? Uh, she's beautiful, and it was this one specific picture she had that really just was like, wow. She's turning like seven shades of red right now. <laughs> <laughs> is this, is this, this all check out? Is this show? Yeah. <laughs> like everybody here is literally or probably feeling the same way you are or have felt that way, and it's, it's so welcoming to see such variety of people of all sexualities and stuff like that. So just come out and do it. Don't be afraid. Like, if you're a shy person like me, you know? We keep moving through the staging area before the parade gets started. These two guys were checking their phones, one draped in a rainbow flag, checking in on friends, Taurus and Timothy. 23, and I'm 26. It might be one month, but guess what? It's every day. We're getting married. It's going to be every day. So, yeah. So, this month, we're going to be proud. It's proud, you know, pride and proud. Yeah. Yeah. With that as well. <laughs> when did you guys know it was time to like, you know, take it to the next level? We, it was actually Valentine's Day. In New York. Uh, we went to I New York. Here. I was ready. I was waiting for Valentine's Day. He legitimately thought I was going to do it at Times Square. He's like, please don't tell me that's a ring. And I'm like, no. And then I played it off the entire day. I went until the night. Listen, I, I, I pushed it off, pushed it off, pushed it off. Man. And I literally just got off the phone with my mom and he popped the question on me. I was like, oh, oh my God. I'm like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> Why is it so important that things like this exist today in 2023? I mean, it's important, especially for like newer generations, because I'm a teacher myself. Um, I work with three-year-olds. So I, I, especially with this month, I want them to actually understand, you know, as you get older, we're all the same no matter what. I just think for me, though, because as me growing up, I wasn't comfortable in my skin. So it was like, not until I did Pride Fest or I did the parade to be me, you know? And I just want to emphasize being comfortable in your skin. So the importance of this would be, you know, whoever you are, wherever you are in the world, it's okay to be you because 
I didn't feel comfortable. Even we were dating. I hid our relationship for a long time, you know? I think it's more or less about being comfortable in your skin. And you made me be me. You made me be me. Think about what that means, how deep that goes. It's a sentiment that Sam also shares, a graduating senior wrapped in the transgender flag, marching with classmates from the school's GSA. My name is Sam. So what brings your group out today? Are you with uh, just kind of yourselves or are you with a bigger group? We're actually with my group, uh, my school, I should say. It's important for me specifically because I don't have, I don't have an accepting home life. And so it feels really good to be out here and wear a flag and not be scared about it. We're not this like crazy, weird, pedophilic, like scary people. We're just like, we're normal people who also happen to be queer. And we're marching because it's important to us and it needs to be celebrated more than, more than ever. Everyone you heard here represents our future. The future that generations of queer people before them could only visualize with their eyes closed. And Gen Z will inherit the Wisconsin our elders fought for. BC and co-host Michael Takash and I go back to 1971 to learn about that first Pride Parade and how different it was. Well, Michael, we're talking about the Milwaukee Pride Parade on this episode, and we're going to kind of step through the timeline of how this came to be and how it's continued to exist in Milwaukee and thrive in Milwaukee. Our timeline here starts in 1970 and continues to the present day and represents really like three different eras of Milwaukee's Pride demonstrations. And it began with the Gay Liberation Organization, which formed in 1970. Yeah, so mere months after the Stonewall Uprising... Students at UWM were very eager to form their own gay liberation movement. And Professor Barbara Gibson of the English department stepped up, despite being a straight ally, to lead this and to really help the students take shape and take action. And in their June 1970 statement of purpose, the Gay Liberation Organization outlined some goals. But the ultimate goal was the development of a sense of self-pride, and the notion that gay was good. And this was very, very different than what they were hearing from the rest of the world. It meant working with their ally groups, such as the Women's Liberation Organization, and inserting themselves into their events, such as the Women's Strike Day of August 26, 1970, when hundreds of women marched down Wisconsin Avenue chanting, gay is twice as good as straight, And ho, 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 homosexual, the ruling class is ineffectual. They also worked with the Vietnam veterans against the war movement and got into their parade in September of 1971. And that's where we met our poster child for the Be Seen podcast, Chucky Betts, who was on the hood of a car as a hood ornament, as he calls it, (laughs) representing the gay community and the gay liberation movement with a single car. This was, um, you know, an act of protest. It was definitely not a celebration. No, absolutely. It was definitely a protest. The very first Gay Pride Week, which was held in 1971, was basically a small march down Wisconsin Avenue, a couple parties, a radio appearance on WZMF, and a gay liberation issue of Kaleidoscope, which was the counterculture magazine of the time. And even the gay liberation organization's founders said the whole thing was a bit too provincial in its revolutionary vigor, but it is good to finally see someone standing up and witnessing the goodness of being gay. 
And that's kind of remarkable to think about that, that over 50 years ago, that that was that was seen as a major statement. To fully understand what a big deal this day was, the story of that first Pride demonstration, we need to go back 50 plus years and hear right from the source. Chucky Betts, seen in our podcast artwork, was there. And when that photo appeared in the newspaper, many in Milwaukee, for the first time, saw another gay person in the media. We get there to Chucky's house, which is nestled along Lake Michigan on Milwaukee's South Shore. Such a nice day outside. Beautiful. Perfect day. I love this area. Chucky is a stroke survivor, which affects his vision and speech, but he gets along well in his home. He has a well-manicured lawn, and spring is just beginning to show pops of color in his front garden. How long have you lived here? Too long. (laughs) (laughs) Too long, he says. Chucky is 73 and a bit old school. It's about one in the afternoon, and he's got cold cans of Diet Coke at the ready. He knows it's our favorite because he, he called ahead to make sure that was okay. As for him, gin, <laughs> gin, a gin, gin man. Gator. I like a gin man. Gatorade is real good for gin. You can drink it all day and not get drunk. That statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. So we're sitting here in your South Milwaukee home. We are in your like sun porch area. I see some critters rolling around here oh, on your yeah. back porch. Are you an animal lover? Oh, big time. <laughs> I want to see which kind of show they're going to put out for you. And Chucky's sun porch is a front row seat. During our visit, we saw blue jays, cardinals, goldfinches, and an oriole. Oh, beautiful. He was here the other day. I hope he gets his grapes. We're going to let the tape just roll here for a few minutes. Sit with us. You were kind of the inspiration uh, for our Be Seen podcast. In fact, I have I'm the cover boy. You are the cover boy. Cool photo. I have to say, I love it. Tell me about this. What's going on in this photo? Well, that's the uh, anti-war Vietnam veteran that gets anti-war Memorial Day parade. And we had an entry. And we had a car, and I was the hood ornament. Tell me about this look. This is something. You got, like, like foot-long eyelashes. Oh, yeah. I have... Big time uh, peacock eyelashes, and the earrings were plastic discs. They were like a foot long, and a green jumpsuit made out of old curtain material, bought at Dretzka's in Kare. And what else? Oh, what a great story. Dretzka's still there? You been to Dretzka's recently? I have not been there recently. <laughs> Tell me about the car. So the car broke down. What? What? How did you end up posing like this on the on the hood? I don't know. That that was the idea from the start and hood ornament, and that was it. Did you volunteer for this? Or did you? Oh or, God, yeah. yeah. Why was it important for you to be there in this demonstration? Well, because we wanted gay people to have a showing. And the Vietnam veterans against the war let us do it. So we did it. It was important at that time for gay people to be seen because they weren't. And it was important for them to, as much as possible, affiliate themselves with other groups, active groups. 
and um, that's why. What was the reaction from Milwaukee that day? What were people saying? Were people actually? I think it was. I don't remember. A long time ago. We made it. We made it. So, reaction was pretty like stunned, but it happened. I mean, it was cool. Going back to what you said about how important it was for the community to be seen, and that's what I thought. Yeah, and they weren't. So just tell me more about that. What was going on at that time? Well, people ignored us. They avoided us. And it was important that they saw that there was another way of life out there. And we sort of pushed their face in it. So that was the idea. Growing up, Chucky always expressed himself through fashion. He dressed and presented himself as he felt inside. But the attention that he got was rarely positive. Verbally abused at all points. I mean, daily, on daily basis. And the teachers were aware of it, but stuff happened. They were, they went along with it, I mean. And this is because you were gay? Oh, yeah. Oh, the first day we walked up to school, I went with my friend, and the first thing that I heard when I stepped foot in the, um, the doorway, was faggots, so, but I was assaulted always and just bumped it too until your books fell and all that kind of shit, daily. School until graduation day and they had graduation rehearsal and I walked across the stage and they all yelled out woman and- That's your graduation well. Shit happened. I was real used to it. But that homophobia wasn't going to crush Chucky's spirit. And that high school bullying and the brush off that he would later get from police when he would report hate crimes, that didn't stop him either. Were you ever, um, was there ever any danger or pushback? You know, were you ever arrested or gay Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah. Um, I was thinking the other day of what I would talk about. And um, a couple of my friends and I were leaving. We lived in Kare, and we were leaving the avant-garde. And we were there for the Velvet Whip. And um, down around near Allen Bradley, we were attacked by a group of guys. And... Um, I remember them getting out of the car and tried to pull me in. Into the car? Yeah, and they ripped off my sleeve, my stoop coat. I was just the best. And um, we got the license number, and we, another car pulled up to help them. And we ran when we had the chance and hit under cars in the Yellen Bradley parking lot. And somehow the police came. We had lost the number. They shined us on. They just shined us on. So I called my father to pick us up, pick me up. And um, I'm, I'm, what, is, what do you mean shined us on? Just fuck you. Oh, the cops? Yeah. They were oh, just yeah. like, go fuck yourself? Oh, 
so what? You have the license number. We're not doing anything about it. I see. And um, I had knickers on. My suit with knickers. It was avant-garde. And um, so uh, my father came pick me up down by Mr. Street and said, look at me all torn up and said, oh, that was some party you were at. Hmm. And that was it. Police never did anything. Got gay bashed all the time. Friend got hit in the head with a grease gun, I think. Wow. Does that, I mean, was that traumatizing? No, it makes you want to fight back. Yeah. Yeah. Did you fight back? All the time. A nonviolent way of, of fighting back. To be clear, Chucky was and is an activist at heart. During his time in Milwaukee, he founded three distinct gay rights organizations. Those groups would later lead pride demonstrations in the 70s and 80s, the largest celebrations in Wisconsin's history of that time. Another way he fought back was through drag, but not the kind you see so much on RuPaul's Drag Race. Chucky was one of the so-called radical queens in Milwaukee, We talked about that group with Flash Gorski in the drag episode of Season 1, Episode 3. As Chucky gets back from a quick bathroom break, he sits back down to explain what exactly being a radical queen meant. It was not female impersonation. It was just fur coats, fur hats, fur handbags. You know, just very gay. So Yeah, I mean, that's that's really, I mean, you were... In, in a lot of ways, at the forefront, the leading edge of this radical drag. I was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and it definitely wasn't female impersonation. It was more no. It was more pointed. Well, we used to, the radical queens that were three people used to get dressed up in all this gear. So you could, you know, the big earrings, the big eyelashes, all this stuff. But you could still tell that we were guys. You know, there were... You know, breasts only if the outfit called for them. Did you have uh, Did you have boobs in this? I don't. Or was this? No. No, that was. That's just the halter. Yeah. <laughs> I made it, so I did. You yeah. know, I sewed it myself, so to have boobs. No place for boobs. <laughs> and we used to go shopping downtown, and just dare people to. You know, give us crap, even the clerks. I mean, we want to try that on now. Yeah, here. So, yeah, we did that a lot. So, looking, I mean, looking at what's happening now with LGBTQ rights and, you know, the, the push against drag and, and states banning drag and conversations about uh, LGBTQ issues, how do you take that as, a, as an activist and as somebody who you know, literally was on the, the front of these it'll, demonstrations. I don't think it'll make it. Um, I just think there'll be more people to push back. And they'll be in drag and, or all, all forms of it. And it's great. It's great. You know, this podcast is called Be Seen. It sounds like that was kind of always, your... Always, <laughs> always Be Seen. Sounds like that was has been your whole life. Mm-hmm. Cool. So when you go to the Pride Parade, 
you see thousands of people and hundreds of floats and all these volunteers. It's great. Like what goes through your head? Because you think back to when this picture was taken and like this was a risk just to be seen. What goes through my head? Well, they feel happy that's going on. I'm loving it as much as anybody else. And meeting people all around who are sitting around is, is just great. Way about time. I mean, most of my friends that I see now are straight, and they know all about me. So, how cool is that? I mean, really, that's all you ever wanted was to be a participant in life, and they denied it. On so many levels, they denied people. After the break, we pick up on the timeline of Milwaukee's Pride Parade, building on Chucky's groundbreaking activism in 1971. That's next on Be Seen. April showers bring May flowers, potholes, and flat tires. If you've been saving up for a rainy day, those days are here. If you're in need of a more reliable ride, donate your old one to Radio Milwaukee. Did you know? A single vehicle donation can be almost three times as valuable as a single cash donation. Think of it as a financial super bloom for this public radio station. Learn more by going to radiomilwaukee.org slash cars. So 1971, the Gay Liberation Organization forms. By 1971, Chucky Betts appears in this Vietnam Veterans Against the War demonstration. And then by 1972, the new gay underground emerges. Yeah, so this is a counterculture group that was far more radical and far more aligned with the Gay Liberation Front. And while Gay People's Union which was the more traditional, more conservative, more cooperative, maybe, organization. Uh, while they were busy hosting some of the founders of the gay rights movement at the Midwest Homophile Conference, including Frank Kemeny and Barbara Giddings, the new gay underground was hosting this wild and raucous gay pride week, which included picnics, movies, bonfires, dances. So that was 1972. And then by 1973, what happens? So in 1973, Gay People's Union is back in charge, and the Gay Pride Week of 73 was really quite political. There were two rallies. There were workshops on systematic oppression. There was a gay inn at Juno Park, kind of reclaiming it for the community after some very high-profile raids and some very high-profile violent attacks in the park. But then the traditional things that we think of as pride, so picnics, uh, parade watches, movies, potluck dinners, very grassroots and still very small scale. Uh, but there was still no gay pride parade. There wasn't one in 1974 either. Um, although that was the year Gay People's Union hosted the GPU Ball, which was not only held at the Performing Arts Center, now known as the Marcus Center, but covered by all of the major newspapers and news stations in town, really like the first, shall we say, pride event uh, to receive statewide recognition because 350 people attended it. And at that time, the media called it the largest gathering of gay people in Wisconsin history. <laughs> right. And at this point, I mean, people were 
really risking a lot by being so visible and, and being in front of the media, right? I mean, Chucky Betts, you know, appeared on the front page of the newspaper with his name. And this was a, a really big deal to get that kind of notoriety and that that recognition in the media when things were so unsafe for LGBTQ plus people. Very, very true. And we we ask ourselves, you know, like, okay, so great. They did these marches and 1971, 1972, maybe 1973. But why why did they continue? And why was it all about supporting Chicago's Pride March? And why would people leave the state to celebrate Pride? It was because it wasn't all that safe to really do it here. And there were fears of safety of the parade being disrupted. There were fears of people experiencing backlash if they were seen in the parade. Um, there were even fears that, you know, someone might come and, and start shooting up the parade, which is, uh, you know, terrible to think about. But all of those fears were legitimate. It was not it, it, something people did at the time. And I got to say, I, I mean, I, it's not like that's totally gone today. You know, I'm sure there's people in the parade that feel like they really are putting themselves out there who maybe are new to being out or, you know, are participating through work. And certainly those those worries of violence when we see all these, you know, Proud Boys um, groups that are, you know, infiltrating these Pride demonstrations across the country. I mean, they're already talking this year about uh, possible interruptions to Pride events. You know, it's not like this went away. Well, no. And it actually it actually didn't go away right away in Milwaukee either. I mean, there were attempts again from Gay People's Union to launch Pride marches and rallies in 1980 and 1981. But these were, again, very political statements. These weren't fun, celebratory events that you would bring your grandmother or your child or your dog to. These were these were very activist events, and they were very serious and very committed. There was, in 1982, a threat of the parade being bombed, and that was... Really? The, and, yeah. this was at, and that was the same year that Wisconsin passed the protections for LGBTQ people in the workplace, exactly. etc. So this was that all kind of related to what was going on in the um, social climate? It's unclear. So the threat of a pipe bomb shut down the 1982 Pride Parade and Rally, and there just never was another one. Part of this is that Gay People's Union as an organization was starting to kind of fizzle out the gay rights state legislation you mentioned really made people feel like the battle had been won. I mean, very similar to how some people feel after marriage equality was won. There was nothing left to do because the fight was over. And, you know, certainly nothing is farther from the truth. And it was far from the truth back then, too. There were no parades in Milwaukee again until 1989 when the Milwaukee Lesbian and Gay Pride Committee which had a very successful first year in 1988, hosted the first annual Pride March and Rally. But even that was a small event. 500 people marched from Walker's Point to Cathedral Square, where 500 other people had gathered to participate in a rally. And this was historic for a couple of reasons. One, it was the first event attended by the mayor of Milwaukee and the Milwaukee County executive. It was the first time that a pride event was covered by all three local news stations, probably because the executives were there. And the other reason was it was just so huge. I mean, a thousand people, a thousand gay people lived in Milwaukee. I mean, this, this was unheard of. And today the rainbow crosswalks that are in cathedral square kind of commemorate that first pride March and rally so since 2004, the parade has been organized by an independent 
nonprofit organization. It does not belong to the Pride organization in Milwaukee. It's really the local community, the local business owners, and this board of directors that has really made it possible for the past 20 years. So with that timeline in mind, let's hear from Jim Millette. He's the current president of the Milwaukee Pride Parade and speaks not only to the mission, but also the impact and the origins of the Milwaukee Parade, which is coming up on 20 years next year. I have been involved with the parade since day one. Wow. I got involved with them when Jim and James first started it back in 2005 because the parade was started because of the fact that the bars wanted to do something of their own on Pride Fest weekend. I'm curious, you know, with your time with the Milwaukee Pride Parade since the since the very beginning, do you have a favorite Milwaukee Pride Parade memory? The first year I did the step off, which means, I mean, the first year I, I didn't do step off, I just did the lineup. And I've done step off every year since then. And yet, I've never really seen the parade. You know, you just get caught up in everything that's going on and you just don't pay attention to the parade itself. And I think it just has to do with a lot of the high energy that exists there. These people just cannot wait to start walking. <laughs> I bet. And it, it, it just gets unreal to the point that, you know, We've almost had people run over that do the stopping because we now have, we graduated from having one person stop the crowds because we spaced them out to having three people stop the crowds because we were getting run over. So they just wanted to get out there and go. Well, thinking back 20 years ago, I mean, I've been to the parade a bunch, a bunch of times. And, you know, I just in my experience there, which hasn't been quite 20 years, but maybe maybe 10 or so. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it, w- it was kind of rare to see multi-generational families, you know, with, with children and pets at a pride parade. But nowadays that experience is remarkably inclusive. I mean, you really, really see it when you're there. Is it possible that, you know, over time the parade has fostered a, a generation of greater visibility or understanding or acceptance over time? I think a lot of it has been acceptance. I think a lot of it's because of the fact that the way we run our parade because of the fact that we bill ourselves more as a fun event rather than a uh, march or any type of, you know, advocacy. It's different from most other parades as far as gay parades. We, we just want to be out there and have fun and we don't limit as to what these entries do. They can do what they want. So, it has made a big difference, and I do get inquiries every once in a while, whether we allow children or something like that. And we, we're PG, you know, we're, we're within legal limits. Sometimes I've wondered, but as a rule, we are. But Go back to kind of the, the spirit of the parade and the idea of March versus parade. Here in Milwaukee, it's, uh, you said, PG, family-friendly. It's, it's not political as much. But some, just by the very nature of this happening in public and taking over a street and and being a celebration, um, I, you know, I wonder, in your view, is it itself kind of a, you know, a social message? A uh, I don't want to say political, but is it possible to be apolitical in a in an environment like this? I actually think that basically, as far as our parade, even though we basically bill it as basically a giant party. 
there's no doubt. Well, I guess my last question, just going back to the parade is, you know, I think it's important to note, and you mentioned it, that this is really volunteer powered. And you've been part of the key core organizing crew as an unpaid volunteer this whole time. I just want to know why and why is this so important to you and what keeps you coming back? You know, it's either the fact that I haven't gotten it right yet, too stupid to leave, or I just don't know what else to do anymore. Looking back at all of this, looking back at this history and all of these challenges and all these starts and stops and restarts, you know, we are really very fortunate in Milwaukee to have this parade experience on the one Sunday every year. And it really is a demonstration of how far we've come and how far we can continue to go as a society when people are not afraid to be seen and not afraid to come together to be supportive, to be inclusive, and to be aligned around a single theme. It's just, it's truly a remarkable day and probably one of the happiest days of the year in Milwaukee. And I just hope everyone appreciates it as much as I do. Well, make sure you're subscribed to Be Seen Season 2. And if you haven't listened to Be Seen Season 1, go ahead and do it. We've got uh, all six episodes plus a bonus episode published right now. And of course, our first episode that came out last week with national broadcaster Bobby Rivers. He was just such a character and uh, just a pleasure to speak with him. We've got some other um, long-running traditions coming up this season on Be Seen Season 2. Heading down to the Softball Diamond to check out the Saturday Softball League, which is another really long-running Milwaukee tradition. We're going to be live on site there next week. And then coming up after that, we're talking about Donna Burkett. She and her then partner were the first same-sex couple to seek a marriage in Milwaukee County. And we actually have some uh, really incredible audio from University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee Libraries that we're going to dig into and uh, tell you more about that story with Donna Burkett. So make sure you're subscribed to Be Seen Season 2 from Radio Milwaukee and the Wisconsin LGBTQ History Project. This is Kiri Salinas, audio production manager at Radio Milwaukee, giving a special thanks to Nate Emig, executive producer and co-host of Be Seen, along with Michael Takash, the curator at Wisconsin LGBTQ History Project, Brett Krasgowski, our web editor, segment producer Salam Vatayer. Thank you to the marketing team led by Sarah Lahr, Dan Reiner, our digital marketing manager, Aaron Bagata, the creative marketing manager, Thank you to Radio Milwaukee's community engagement team, DJ Brewer and Mallory Wallace. Our program directors, Dory Zori with 88.9 and Tariq Moody with Hyphen. And last but not least, thank you to Maxie Jackson, the executive director at Radio Milwaukee.